I'm Anthony Steves, and this is Based on a True Journey. Here it is. Finally here. Season 2 of Based on a True Journey. Ah, finally, we're here. It's about time. It is summer of 2020. I did say it would be here summer of 2020, so I did stay true to that statement. Um, So here it is. I'm happy to finally get the first episode out. Thank you for tuning in. Tuning in. It's a podcast. Thank you for choosing it on your favorite podcast app. Um, I greatly appreciate your listenership. You are what keeps this show going. If this is your first time checking out Based on a True Journey, pause. Thank you for finding this, but pause. Go back and check out the entire first season. Get a real feel for what this show is about before you come into season two. Okay? So do that first. If you already have heard season one, thank you for returning. Thanks for liking the show so much. Uh, You can continue to show your appreciation for this show by checking out our website or my website because it's just me. That's right. Based on a true journey has a website now. Truejourneypod.com. That's truejourneypod.com. All the episodes are there. Uh, There's a blog that'll be happening there. There'll be photos, videos, other stuff going on. But there is a website home now for Based on a True Journey at truejourneypod.com. And I still got the Twitter account for you, which is, of course, at truejourneypod. So got those two going for you. So as I said, we finally have hit season two. Uh, My original plan was to focus the beginning of season two on... The pandemic, science, and how, you know, the history of pandemics uh, in this, in our world. But due to recent events, I felt it was right to put a hold on that and focus on some very, um, a, a very heavy topic that needs to be, needs to stay in the forefront. And that topic is racism and how racism has fueled hatred and murders in the past few months. I'm talking about Ahmaud Arbery. I'm talking about Breonna Taylor. I'm talking about George Floyd. Say those names. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. These are names we uh, we should be repeating. And I wanted to do my part in bringing the topic of racism, discrimination, and the hatred behind it, and making it a part of this podcast, at least for the beginning of this season. Now, as you know, as you've listened, you know how this show works. I tell you a story. I take you on a journey of a historical figure or moment. But for this episode, I'm going to change things up. I didn't feel it was right for me to narrate to you about the experiences that black people 
have to go through because of the color of their skin. Didn't feel right telling the story myself. I didn't think it was my place to tell that story. I feel that you should be hearing it from those that have had to suffer it, that have had to go through it, and that have had to push through it. So I contacted four of my friends, four friends of mine who have dealt with racism and who have dealt with being judged by the color of their skin and asked them to tell their journeys, to give you a specific experience that they went through and how it changed them, how it opened their eyes to racism and made them realize that to some people, they are nothing more than the color of their skin and that they will be judged by the color of their skin. So that is what we'll be talking about this episode. I'm going to step back from the microphone and you are going to hear from four amazing individuals that I have the pleasure of calling my friends that I am lucky to have in my life. And they're going to explain to you specific moments in their life where their eyes were opened to the hatred that uh, is around. So without further ado, here are their stories. Hello, my name is Paris Thomas, and an experience I've had that has impacted me uh, very deeply. It was, it was really young, and I was living in the Arden area. Um, at the time, I used to walk home from school. A lot of the kids did it. I was going to Greer Elementary, and um, the area, as most people know it in that area of Arden, is pretty busy. It's right by Fulton and Hurley. Um, but we, we, we walked to school together. We would, um, walk home together. It was never a big deal. Uh, I can't remember why, but one day I was walking home by myself. I don't know if, I can't remember why. I don't know if it was because I had something to do after school or I missed everyone or what the, whatever the case is. But, um, I'm walking home and as I'm walking home, uh, I, I hear a van get overly close to me, you know, stranger danger. Right. And, uh, about three white guys they all they were skinheads and they had their swastika tattoos and they they scream at me they go home they stay they scream at me and they say go home you nigger and um shouted a few more things and then they just kind of drove off and the crazier part about them driving off is i saw the apartment they drove into so of course at that time i just start running home um i was i was only in second grade so I didn't know what that word meant, but I knew the hate behind it. I knew the anger behind it. I knew the lack of empathy and, and sympathy behind it. And uh, I just ran and I ran and I ran and, and, and where we lived was a little bit of a ways from school, but I got home and I let my mom know what happened. And um, I think that's kind of when for me as a, as a, as a young man, um, race was a thing or, or being black was a thing or learning um, what the real history behind this country is and, and, and 
how some people are, are literally birthed into just ignorance. Um, so now that we're, we're at where we're at, I'm not surprised by things like when the Paula Dean thing happened and you know, everyone's upset about this white woman saying the N-word. And I looked at her and I looked at everyone. And I said, she's a 65-year-old white woman from the South. Why are we surprised? Um, but again, I'm one of those special cases where I experienced racism as a, as a child, like hardcore, just nasty uh, bigotry. I've also lived in the Deep South before, twice, and they're very much separated. It's very much still your stuff, our stuff, and it's not talked about. It's just how you live life. So um, seeing that young, it didn't give me a complex, but now till this day, like I'm on edge, like. I still get followed in stores. I still get asked if I need something multiple times when I don't. Um, or um, the micro stuff, you know, like I go to a restaurant and the writer calls everyone else sir, but then when it gets to me, he says the word boss. Um, I think I'm always going to struggle with, are you doing something because I'm black or are you doing something because of the person that I am? Um, but that day, my childhood definitely stopped. That day, a few whimsical things definitely died. And um, I'm somewhat thankful for because I've gotten, as I've gotten older, I have always been a black person in a predominantly white something, whether it's a neighborhood, especially all of my schooling. So I've had to really learn how to navigate bias, navigate people trying to be overly nice, and sometimes just navigate people being flat out disgusting towards you. And uh, and I, I don't know, I've, I've, I've lived with the hope of, I hope they're doing something because they actually disliked me versus that's the uniform they like and I can't take this uniform off. Hi, uh, my name is Brianna Fennell and this is my story of the first time I've ever experienced discrimination slash racism. So I was in the seventh grade and I was attending middle school in Elk Grove Unified School District. And there was this guy that I went to school with who we won't name, but I definitely had a crush on him and we hung out quite a bit. And I think we were probably halfway through our middle school year towards the end of the year. And I remember going to school the next day, um, like after the weekend, I believe. And he came up to me and was like, we can't hang out anymore because you're black and dark skin. And I don't think you're pretty. Um, and he started dating this girl who was in the same class as us, who was very skinny and she had long hair and she's really pretty um and she was really like one of the popular girls and she was an eighth grader actually um and I didn't understand why me being black was a problem but I remember him telling me like you know you being dark skin I don't think it's attractive I don't think it's cute um so I don't want anything to do with you I don't want to be your friend and middle school's already hard because at the time for me I had braces and I had glasses that had transition lenses so that was already a rough self-esteem time for me um but then having somebody who you literally spent almost every day with tell you that you weren't pretty and that they didn't want to be your friend strictly because of your skin tone was probably the icing on the cake for as far as how I felt about myself and I think that kind of stuck with me throughout high school 
in the rest of the middle school years because being a darker skinned girl it wasn't really praised and it wasn't really supported back then um if you were dark skinned you were unattractive you weren't pretty you weren't anything great um everything was about being light-skinned and having mixed curly hair or being a white girl and having long blonde hair um there wasn't any room for dark-skinned girls when i was in middle school and that was only like 13 years ago i'm only 27 and i was in middle school uh probably not like 11 12 so that was like 15 years ago so how it's crazy how it's taken that long for darker skin girls to be supported and to be praised um and even just being black it's still very difficult to go out and be a black person in this country and in this world let alone a black woman um so i think that was just sort of the light for me that made me realize that at the end of the day like there are definitely going to be people who don't like me for the way I look and has nothing to do with my personality or what I bring to the table or my um, intelligence strictly because I am a black woman a darker skinned black woman I could be unattractive to someone um and I think just with everything that's going on in the world right now um and still seeing black people killed the way they are being killed it's very traumatizing and I always think back to those moments where my skin tone was a deciding factor for someone um and I think that relates to what we're going through right now that our skin tone is a deciding factor on whether we live or whether we die in the streets um and it's just traumatizing like I said and it's absolutely um hurtful and it is just devastating to think that leaving my front door now in 2020 I could be killed or I could be you know spit out or I could be assaulted or I could be attacked you know simply again because of my skin tone things that I thought that my grandparents and great-grandparents dealt with and kind of worked and had the chance to experience firsthand now we're just seeing it firsthand on our side um we're seeing it firsthand and it's being filmed so that would be the time that I've ever dealt with discrimination and racism um, at a young age. And I'm still feeling that nowadays. Um, and that is just what my story is. Savon Baraka, aka Black Bruce Wayne, um, an experience that I had with racism uh, once, I want to say it was in my mid-twenties, I'm with a buddy of mine, and we're just going to go pick up a friend before we go to the movies. Very, very, very simple situation. She said she was running behind, uh, she told us she was going to be two minutes, we expected it to be ten. I want to say uh, we, we park outside her, her apartment, which is right near a church, a barber shop, you know, a, a, a deli spot that was still open. Uh, so everything's fine. Um, we parked there for not even, I don't even want to say we made it to the full three minutes. Uh, in the middle of me and him talking about like, you know, some anime or whatever like that, I, I'm like kind of blinded by a light and next to the light is a gun and 
I'm being told to put my hands on the dashboard. Him as well. I hear a faint voice kind of in the background, you know, talking to, talking to like, you know, radioing, radioing in into another conversation. Then I'm told to step out of the car. And I have a gun to my face from a cop. And before that he can even continue, I don't even know what was even going to happen. But then his partner whispers something to him, taps him on the shoulder, whispers something to him. And then he stares at us for a little bit. I can't, can't prove it, but it's just this, 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 this look of disdain is on his face. And he, I want to say begrudgingly, puts the gun back in his holster. And he tells us that, oh, sorry, you just matched the description of these suspects that we were looking for. And as, you know, I, I think he says, like, you know, carry on with your night or be careful or something like that. You know, my, my, my buddy at the time is, like, you know, pissed, you know, shaken, stirred. Unfortunately, I'm pretty used to it. You know, I'm pretty apathetic to it. I mean, that's my norm, unfortunately. But I hear them. This is what kind of, like, got to me was as they're walking back, I hear the partner say, annoyed, they look nothing like the guys we're looking for. Very low. It's, I always think to that night, and I'm like, what if that guy, that partner, wasn't there? What would have happened? I would have been on a fucking t-shirt. You know, I, I, I would have I been a hashtag. And somebody watching it would have sneered, snickered, scoffed, whatever, and just said, well, he must have done something. And, and in reality, I was just talking about anime with a friend outside of an apartment, and that was too much. That impacted me that I don't even have to do anything at all. It wasn't, I mean, I, there's been other instances, but nothing more than then was I basically told through an experience of like, you know, you could literally just exist and you're a problem. You were considered a threat. You were considered an issue and you might be dealt with via capital punishment. Hi, I'm Michelle. Uh, I grew up in Central Oregon in the 70s and 80s, uh, more of a small town Oregon, not city Oregon. Uh, and as such, it wasn't very racially or ethnically diverse. Um, outside of my family, I didn't know any other black people. I didn't have any black friends at school. All my, fr my friends were white. Um, I had a... Um, uh, I was in a campfire club, and uh, I remember having a conversation with them one time where one of them was like, oh, I, it would be so cool to be black. You'd be like Michael Jackson. Um, that was like a huge compliment back then. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, there weren't like a lot of conversations about race. I didn't really think too much about race or the fact that um, racially I was different from everyone else that I knew in my life. 
Um, but there was one instance that I remember very well. Uh, I was, I think it had to have been fall because I remember feeling like my backpack was tighter, you know, it was tighter to me because I was wearing more layers. Um, it's a strange detail to remember, but, um, I think there was like, I think it was cool, but not cold yet. Um, and, uh, I was on the bus on the way home and, uh, you know how you can just feel when someone is watching you, like really watching you. And it's so crazy to me that even as a kid, you know, this had to have been maybe, maybe third or fourth grade, um, on the bus, I felt this boy watching me. I felt him staring at me. So I was sitting closer to the rear of the bus and he was maybe towards the middle. And uh, he was a blonde kid. I remember him having like long blonde hair, long in that it, you know, like covered his eyes. And he he uh, kept having to brush, brush the hair out of his eyes. Um, and he was sitting with a friend and he and his friend were just kept looking back at me and I was trying to, you know, avoid their gaze, but, um, so that they wouldn't see that I had seen them watch me. I don't know. Um, it's funny when you think about the logic of a little kid, but somehow I felt almost like if they catch me looking at them while they're looking at me, um, this could escalate. So I, tr I tried to de-escalate in that way. I tried to become invisible or I don't know, but, um, so as we, I felt them, I felt them watching me. And as we got closer to my stop, uh, of the bus, um, I started to hear them using the N word and saying it louder and louder. Um, and you know, I knew what that word meant and, because I knew what it meant, I knew that they were directing it toward me. Um, and so when we got to my stop, it was like, okay, I have to go past them in order to get off this bus. And I really was like trying to plan my exit strategy, you know, like I was thinking, well, what if I just go out the back door of the bus, which is not a thing, right? That's an emergency exit. Um, but it felt like an emergency. So I was like, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should go that way. Um, but I'm a Virgo and a rule follower. So I was like, well, I can't do that. So I'm going to have to walk past this kid in order to get out of the bus. And so he's, you know, he's saying the N word over and over. And, um, I just, you know, eyes front, just tried to get out of the bus. And, um, you know, I, the bus driver, I saw her look at me. Um, and I don't know if that look meant that she knew what was going on or she didn't, but she didn't say anything. And so, you know, I, I get to where the driver is and I turn to get off the bus and I hear this kid getting up and it wasn't his stop. Um, but he, he was getting off at mine and again, that, that weird kid logic clicks in where I'm like, okay, don't run because if you run, then he's going to know that you're running from him. So it was almost like, okay, I'm going to walk. I'm going to try to be calm and just walk home um, and just, you know, pretend, you know, it's like I tried to pretend it away. Um, but 
I, I heard him and I felt him getting closer and closer. And then the next thing I know, um, I felt this like um, hot scraping, like a almost like a stabbing, but like a scraping down the middle of my back. And I realized what had happened is that he had thrown a book at me um, and it had hit me right square in the middle of my back um, and kind of scraped down and I didn't even turn around. I just ran and I'm not a runner, you know, but I ran as fast as I could. And I, um, I can't tell you if they ran after me. I can't tell you um, even if he was alone or if his friend got off with him. I don't know. Um, like I said, it wasn't his stop. He wasn't um, in my neighborhood. Um, I ran home. And uh, I didn't tell my mom. I didn't say anything about it. And that's crazy because I tell my mom everything, <laughs> like everything. Uh, and I have a daughter now. And the thought of something like this happening to her and her not telling me it just really, really breaks my heart. Um, and I know my mom would be devastated to know that I had experienced something like this and I didn't tell her. Um, so, uh, you know, I think about that kid, especially in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, I've thought about this moment and I've thought about him and I wonder if, you know, what kind of person is he today? Like, you know, how did he learn to be so hateful and to target a person for what that person looks like and for no other reason than that? Um, you know, I wonder, does he have a family? Does he have kids? And has he taught them that hate as well? Um, you know, or did that moment shame him into becoming a, a better person. Like if I were to find him today, would he still have that hatred inside of him or could he, could he even be an ally? You know, anything is possible, I guess. So I'm Michelle and this is part of my story. To Paris, Brie, Havan, and Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for opening our eyes to what it is like to face racism. Um, I am honored to have friends like you. I'm a better person because I have friends like you. I'm uh, more aware because of friends like you. So again, thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for telling us your journeys. Thank you. Now, if you, the listener, are looking for other resources regarding racism and racial injustice, now is the time to do your search. Go to Google. You're going to find a lot of information right now. If you're looking for movies, uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X is currently on Netflix, but also on Netflix are two works of genius 
by the great Ava DuVernay. Her documentary 13th, which talks about the prison system and the branding of criminal that was placed on black people, as well as her miniseries When They See Us, which follows the Central Park Five and the hell those teens went through. Those two works of genius are currently on Netflix. Go check those out if you haven't yet. Also newly added to Netflix is James Baldwin's I Am Not Your Negro. You need to put that in your queue ASAP. Not joking. Uh, also, if you're looking for books to read, you need to check out everything written by ta Coates. Know that name. Tanahasi Coates, that is someone you need to be reading right now. Now is the time to open our eyes, to listen instead of shouting down. Many times we are listening to someone speak and we're already formulating our response. Don't do that. Right now is the time to actually listen and comprehend what is happening to black voices? What is happening to black people? It's time to stop with the quick responses and listen to black voices. Please, more listening, more love, less hate. All right? Those are my words of wisdom for you. Actually, I'm going to leave you with a quote from the great James Baldwin, which is this. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Now, that is not something that should be a based on a true journey quote from here on out. I don't know what is. Okay? So, season two is here. Thank you for continuing along with us. I will keep you updated on the next season two episode. But until then... This is based on a true journey. And remember, journeys are what define us. Where will your next journey take you? Until next time, stay on the path. <laughs>